Welcome to the Nintendo Watcher Podcast. I'm Justin, joined as always by my co-host, Matthew. Matthew, how's it hey, going? Hey, Justin. How's it going, man? Good to see it's you again. It's good. It's good. And we've got a special guest with us today, certified Pokemaniac, Jeremy Rivers. <laughs> Jeremy's an artist and one of the hosts of the pop culture podcast, Gen Mix. I'll link his pod in the social profiles in the description below. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. It's it's always good to talk to you. You're the biggest Pokemon fan I know, so I'm, I'm really happy to have you on this episode to talk about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. How's it going? Yeah, thanks. I'm doing great. I also just love the name of this podcast, by the way, <laughs> and I went back and tried to figure out which ones I could listen to because there's a lot of games that you guys cover that I haven't even touched, but when it comes to Pokemon, I am through and through a fan since 1998, so I got you yeah. covered on that part. You're That's in what we like company, to hear. Then, yeah, we need more people that know what they're talking about, right? More people to <laughs> teach us what's what, because we are, you know, we know some stuff, but we've got blind spots, and it's helpful to have a certified expert in the room, especially for this conversation. I think so. Excited to hear what we got to talk about today. Yeah, I always love going over the new Pokemon games, and this thing has only been out for what a week now, maybe pushing two, but I've had a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, do you want to, uh, you know, should we start a little bit further back, just history with the franchise a little bit? I mean, we've already established, you know, Jeremy, your credentials dating back to 1998. Myself, uh, an original, you know, adopter with Pokemon Blue, um, eventually had a red cart as well. A, a grass type starter for every generation um, and I've been around the block uh, you know for most of the series Justin what about you I know you've got kind of an up and down relationship but did it start back at red and blue I can't recall yep started back in red and blue I had blue too I don't think I ever got a red cartridge actually but actually my very first experience with Pokemon I was staying over at a friend's house for the weekend and he had red and he didn't care about it Nice. So I grabbed his Game Boy and started playing it. And like we were there for his birthday party, spent the whole weekend there. And I couldn't pull my myself away from this Game Boy he had. I played through like hours and hours and hours of red. And then I, I begged my mom to get me a copy of blue for myself. So, yeah, it started way back at blue for me. Then I got into silver and silver just did everything that blue did, mm -hmm. you know, but better. And then the inclusion of Kanto at the end. I absolutely loved it. And then I fell out of it really until the pandemic. And I went mm -hmm. back and tried yeah. to purchase all of the old ones and didn't realize how expensive they were. <laughs> so at this point, I've played through all of them except the black and white two generation. I never okay. could get through those. I don't know why. Something about them just didn't feel right. But I've played all the other ones up until then. Okay. And uh, Jeremy, where are we at? I know you said 1998 is where it all started, but let's get a little series, you know, overview from from your personal experience. Favorites, you know, starters, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, so definitely back in 1998, I was trying to think about it earlier when I would have first been introduced to it. And I think it would have been through daycare because I went to daycare <laughs> for a long time, like probably too long. Uh, my... my <laughs> My mom and dad had three kids. They worked full time. We all did extracurriculars and had things to do. But in 1998, I would have been in daycare still about seven mm -hmm. years old and watching the series first and yeah. seeing that first episode of Pokemon I Choose You with Ash and Pikachu. Like I was sold. I was done. I needed to have everything Pokemon related all the time. But I actually 
had blue. I think I had blue mm-hmm. first and red because typically er- earlier on, my mom would be like, okay, well, if, if this, I have an older brother, I'm in the middle and a younger sister. And she would say, well, if one boy gets it, the other one has to get it because they're going to be fighting over it. So she bought red and blue. My oh, brother great. had no interest at all. So I lucked <laughs> out and got both. So I was playing blue at one time and I would start with, typically I start with a water starter. So usually I would go with Squirtle. There are some honorary mention grass types in there, but typically it's water type for me. But actually the game that I got first was blue and red. And then that same year in 1998 in Christmas, I got Pokemon yellow. And when yellow came out, the other two were dead to me and I just only played yellow. That was a great game. Yeah. It really lets you like follow in Ash's footsteps, right? Like getting the Pikachu, getting the the other starters throughout the the quest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you feel like you're, especially if you watch the, the anime or the, the cartoon, like, you can literally walk through and do everything that he did. So mm-hmm. it, I think it hooked me very quickly. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned the show as your starting point. And for me, that was the same um, experience. You know, in fact, you're describing your, your you know, history with it. And I'm thinking back to being, you know, 1988, being 11 years old in, you know, what was that? Sixth grade, I think hanging out after school at the, you know, the, the after school, you know, programs, because same thing, family worked, there was three of us, we, we hung out there and that's what we did. I had a, an old, uh, like the, it's like the teal green Game Boy. And, uh, I had a friend who owned red with the link cable and got my first Gengar right after school, hanging out on the, the school playground. And that was kind of it for me, right? At that point, I was kind of, yeah, I was locked in. But it was the show that I think locked, you know, locked me into that. And I wonder, you know, this is just speculation, but did part of your decision to choose a water type starter, you know, come from the fact that, you know, I mean, clearly, clearly Squirtle was the star of the original uh, series, in my opinion. I mean, was that, did that factor in at all? Uh, it may have swayed me a little bit, but I honestly just, I really, (laughs) I like, I go for the design and the aesthetic of the Pokemon too. So like, I I usually try to play with my favorites and what they look like. And Squirtle just was, see, it's, it's so weird because now if I had to do it all over again, and I have done it over again, several times, I would probably go with Bulbasaur because Bulbasaur is arguably the cutest starter out of all of them. And just such a good boy. Like, he's yeah. he's 100% good boy. He's and still my favorite I... Pokemon, bar none. So, yes. Yeah. The fact that we haven't seen a regional variant of any of them has upset me. Atrocious oversight. Yeah. But no, I love all of them. Obviously, Charmander is up there. He's probably one of the more popular starters, mm-hmm. and people love their Charizard. But Squirtle was just more fun, and I loved him with those little glasses and the show and just being a troublemaker. So maybe that had something to do yeah. with it. You know, Justin, that, that, you're, oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that original um, trio of starters had like really good, even mid evolution. Yes. Pokemon <laughs> like War Turtle is my favorite Pokemon of all time. <laughs> but I like Squirtle. I like Blastoise, but they just, it was really, um, I don't know. But they really stood out. Now you get to like a mid-evolution. It's just like, 
okay, this this feels like a placeholder for a while. But those yeah. those early Pokemon really felt like they put a lot of passion into those designs for the the mid levels. Definitely. Nowadays, it's like the mid evolutions are sort of that angry teenager phase, and it's just they're either awkward or they're kind of cool. And yeah, there's not really a a hundred percent great line all the way through. Not yeah. to you know, not to tip my hand too much, but as a grass starter aficionado, I will say that I think this is a return to form for grass starters. Finally, uh, I do think Scarlet and Violet. I think the the Sprigatito to Mascarada through line is is solid all the way through. But we'll get to that when we get to Scarlet and Violet. I've got a couple more questions I want to kind of run through with just series history laying some of the scene setting before we jump into the most recent game because i do think it's really important to you know establish where we're coming from when we get into that conversation because i think things might take a slight turn um in uh in the second half of the discussion but how are we uh you know how do we consider ourselves as far as players of pokemon are we gym rushers are we collect them all players do we battle uh for max you know training for max ivs evs all that fun stuff you know where do you find yourself in when it comes to approaching the way that you play these games jerry why don't we go ahead and start with you since you're the guest here you know are you a more hardcore pokemon player or is there a, a system that you follow no i'm definitely all about the immersion of the experience so i love just getting the game and really especially once they introduce character customization and you can figure out mm -hmm. what you want yourself to look like. I really buy into that. So I sort of play it as if I were dropped into the world and I was just exploring and I don't really follow, especially with this game, uh, I don't really follow a set path. Yeah. I, I don't try to do the completionist run from the beginning. I do like to catch all the Pokemon and I like to get all the decks and trees and, mm -hmm. Just for like casual play, because I will pick it up after work and just run around for a little while. And I like trying out different teams. But when it comes to like a brand new game starting out, I usually pick a starter and then go through the gym line. Um, with the with these later iterations of the franchise, they've been trying to figure out things that are not just so mm -hmm. do the gyms, catch them all, done. So I appreciate that. But it's very casual for me. Yeah, Justin, how about you? We've talked about how we play games before. We've got an entire podcast about it. Um, and I approach <laughs> I approach Pokemon the same way. I always start as that completionist. Like I'm going through a route and I've got to get every single Pokemon that's on yeah. that route. So I start that. I do it for the first five or six hours and then I just blaze through the gym, uh, the yeah. gym route. It's just, you know, I like catching the Pokemon. I really like filling out the decks. The past few generations, I've been really you know, just just cognizant of trying to catch them when I see them, if it's something new. Um, I think it's gotten a lot harder, uh, you know, as Pokemon have just become part of the overworld. A lot of them are really small. It's kind of hard to see them um, mm -hmm. unless you're going by a guide or something. So I, I, probably less like that now, but uh, I like to catch them all. That's that's sort of my my go to yeah. philosophy on Pokemon games. What about what about you, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, I think we all approach this relatively similarly. 
my thing is uh, I try to build, you know, a strong starting team, right? I want to collect a team of six early on, one that I feel is pretty balanced as far as type, you know, matchups and stuff go. So I'll spend a little extra time early until I've got like my my gym team, right? So I'll do as much as I can in, you know, the games that allow you to do a little more like the nice thing about Scarlet, Violet, uh, you know, Arceus and all that is gave you a little bit more flexibility in the early gyms to go build out a strong, you know, diverse team. Um, earlier games, you were kind of limited in type options before the first gym, but I think they've done a better job lately. So that's kind of my move. Get a nice little team of six and then it's hit a gym, complete the gym, move to the next town, build an entirely new party of Pokemon from that area right a new team of six level them up just enough to take on the gym next gym same thing each gym it's a repeat i get to the next gym grab five new pokemon because i never leave my starter that's i will die on that hill i you know five new pokemon new team next gym and then we just do that until the end game at that point i turn around i go collect them all do the end game you know content but i am you know it's basically gym to gym with just a quick you know, 30, 45 minute break to collect a whole new team right before I jump into the gym. I had no idea you were such a monster. I know. That's I know. Insane. I, I, I don't think I could commit to getting rid of half my team, essentially every single gym because I get so like, okay, real quick question. This wasn't <laughs> in the notes at all, but are, sorry, are we, do we nickname our Pokemon? Because I do. Nope. All of minor nicknames. I'm a I'm a hardcore, just their name, no nicknames. I've been since Gen One. I don't know why, because I do get very attached, right? Like I said, my starter never leaves. I never leave my starter, even at Endgame. They're still in my team, even if they're garbage. But I I don't name them. I just never have. I really dig deep into. I think I spend too long trying to come up with a name for yeah. them because, like, when I first got this game i was already seeing which pokemon i was going to play through and what (laughs) i would name them yeah and for just for an example sometimes they're really like digging into the history of like where the pokemon was created what they're based off of whatever for like espeon espeon is probably my go-to favorite pokemon and i can prove it because i have a mouse pad that has espeon beautiful a great pokemon i i made so you made that I did. That's one of my favorite designs that I've ever done. It's <laughs> awesome, man. But I looked into the history of that, and Espeon is based off of a Finnick fox. So I was like, okay, your nickname's going to be Finnick. But then there's the flip side, where they're just stupid. And <laughs> I, have, I have all three starters in the new gen, but the Quaxley, the little duck, I ended up hatching a female, and I named her... Quackwafina. Beautiful. Because it's so dumb, but she looks like a drag queen to me. So I'm just like, this is <laughs> this is a drag queen Pokemon. Love it. I, I usually don't nickname mine, but I have so many Blastoise that I've named Admiral over time. Like if I get a new Blastoise, I always go with Admiral or some sort of Navy yep. uh, rank. But usually I don't name them because because it takes too long. But I, I like your system, Jeremy. Of like, what's the history of this Pokemon? Um, how do I trace it back to something real rather than just naming it like Bob or something like? Yeah, yeah. Which is fine too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with naming. Um, you know, I will name Pokemon that I intend to trade. 
Um, I'm I'm that monster who will put a ridiculous name on any Pokemon I trade. You're the person so, that I hate just, when I get a random trade. I'm like, I can't name. Them. It's a shiny and it's yep. a female with a good nature yep. and it's named Steve. And I can't do anything a, about this now. I'll give you a great trade. I'm a nice trader, but I'm going to give it a stupid name. And that's just, you know, that's the, the rule. Now, again, exceptions, you know, uh, obviously, if I'm trading with Justin, I'll let him, you know, I'll give him just the standard, you know, whatever it is. But if I'm doing random trades and stuff, my bad. I'm that guy. I just, it's, I get a kick out of it. It makes me laugh every time. So that's the worst. <laughs> but I got, I got one more question before we get into our actual topic of conversation shape. And this is just one again, it's not in the notes. So this is kind of just off the top of your head. Uh, favorite type, favorite Pokemon type. Where do you fall on this? I'll go first just to give you guys some time since I'm you know, throwing a curveball at you. Fairy type Pokemon, fairy type. I'm not, it has nothing to do with matchup or anything like that. It's that I think design wise, they knock it out of the park nine times out of 10 on fairy type Pokemon. They're just, they're good. They're solid Pokemon. A lot of the moves are very good. They've got some really good matchups that I think are, are a benefit to the type. So there is that element, but it's all about the design for me. And I think fairy types kind of really just do a great job. Um, so yeah, just, I, or, or Jeremy, yeah, if you've got it, let's go. I was just going to agree. Like, I, I, love, I love the fairy type, but it's a toss-up for me between psychic and poison. Yeah. Just because I think poison types usually have that sort of edge to them, and they're, but they always come off this, as these, like, dumb little babies in the game. Yeah. And the psychic ones just end up looking kind of cool towards the mm -hmm. end. And obviously, Espeon, I'm biased, but... yes. Poison, I think my top three are psychic, poison, and electric. Those are those are yep. my top three. Yep. Justin, like, where are you at on this? I like psychic Pokemon too. Also like dark Pokemon. Like Sableye is one of my favorite Pokemon ever. I just think his design is awesome and the way he runs and the, the new animations and stuff is so good. Yeah, it probably either that or water. So those are my top three. Um psychic, yep. dark, water's the boring one. But there's so many great water Pokemon, Golduck yep. and Psyduck. I love those, that line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, if I were to do a top three, since you guys did, I'll just go. Uh, it's going to be Fairy, Ghost, and Grass are the three. Oh, I forgot about Ghost. How could I forget about Ghost? Ghost Pokemon are just solid, too. They're another one. I mean, you know, right now, I cannot get enough of Cerulege in Pokemon Violet. Loving it. One of my favorite Pokemon additions in the new generation. I, yeah, I think across the board, they're another one where they've just got solid designs. Plus, you know, always been a fan of the, you know, Ghastly Haunters and uh, Gengars of the of the series. So, but, you know, we've been doing some table setting right about 20 minutes now, and I think it's a good time as any to jump into what we're really here to talk about, which is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, the most recent addition to the franchise, and a game that the three of us have been playing quite a bit over the last two weeks. You know, just to get a sense of, you know, where we're all at here, um, what versions did we go with? What starters did we pick and why? Um, Jeremy, let's go ahead and let you start on this one. Uh, yeah, I went with Scarlet. And I picked Fuecoco, which is going against my typical water starter. Yeah. But I picked him because before we 
knew what his final typing was going to be. I had sort of guessed he was going to be like a ghost pepper sort of thing because his face (laughs) looked like a little skull. So I was like, maybe he'll be the first fire and grass starter or at the very least fire and ghost. So I was like, I I think I'm going to get him, get Fuecoco. I'm going to name him Reaper, which is what I did. Uh, And then ghost pepper. That's why I picked him. Yeah, I mean that's great, it, and it worked out as far as I can tell. I mean, uh, we you got your typing, you got your fire ghost. Also, I think anytime they can keep a, a you know a Pokemon on all fours in their final evolution, great, great. Just that's the you go? literal only reason I didn't pick <laughs> Sprigatito because I knew yep. it wasn't going to happen. Never is with the cats; it's always disappointing. Yeah. So, I Justin, where'd you cat. land? I went you with did? the grass cat. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Yep. I like had Matthew's voice in the back of my head saying, go with a, a grass type. So I did. It, but I, it took a lot, though. I kept going back and forth trying to decide. After I've seen some of the Quaxley evolutions, glad I didn't go that route. Yeah. It's probably my least favorite of the, Not a of fan. the three. But yeah, so I, I went with the grass cat and I got Scarlet. I think I'm the only one on the call who got Scarlet. You guys. No, I got Jeremy I got, got Scarlet. Scarlet as well. I am the oh, only okay. Violet. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's good because I actually do want to talk about the the end game with that later on because I am curious about your guys' thoughts there. But I know we had talked about. It. I think part of you getting Scarlet was that I told you I'm getting Violet and that's the end of story. So there was that. There's, that's exactly there's a little bit of because otherwise there's a little bit of peer pressure on that, and I'll, <laughs> I will take the blame for that. But I went with Violet because uh, I prefer the coloring and I prefer the legendary in Violet and uh, a couple of the exclusive violet pokemon i wanted and so that was kind of the the decisions there pretty easy sprigatito again i'm going grass type every time i've done it since bulbasaur in gen one and i haven't changed uh since i always do you know replays and i'll go check out the other starters but i'm always going to go through with a grass type on my first playthrough so that's where i went and that's what i landed on and so that kind of gets me into the, you know, the topic of conversation, initial impressions, you know, we've spent some time with it before we jump into like the, the base initial impressions of the game. How far are we at this point? So that we've got a baseline for, you know, where our critiques or um, praise is coming from, where are we each at? Um, I'll start. I have completed the main story. I've done everything to roll credits and now I'm on, you know, I've just started the end game stuff. So I haven't done any of the, repeat battles or legendary hunts just yet i'm I'm right there though um justin why don't we go with you next we'll end on jeremy because i kind of i'm curious to see where where he's at but justin where are you at right now i'm through the first five gyms and i've done four of the titans to make traversal Mm -hmm. a little easier yeah and i've done maybe three or four of the team star raids mm-hmm. so i don't know like it, it feels like i'm pretty far yeah and i'm not really going on one route specifically i'm just sort of doing it as i come across it so yeah that's that's about where i am yeah probably what like 70 percent, maybe seems about right yeah Gotta I think there's be. eight times total right, yeah. yeah you're probably about 70 percent of the way maybe a little more uh jeremy where are you at how far have you gotten what are you uh working on right now I am similar to you. I've finished the main story literally last night. I didn't intend on playing as long as I did, but I (laughs) stayed up and finished out the storyline 
for the main quest and I'm in the post game now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only went back and battled one gym leader. Yeah. And that was just sort of because he was there situation. But now I've started going back and I'm trying to, if a Pokemon pops up and I haven't caught it, now I'm going through and catching all of those. Yeah. Yeah. So that part is really slowed my progress down. I'm like, do I have one of you? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. 30 (laughs) minutes trying to capture this Pokemon. And that was, like I said, you know, I wait till after the credits roll to do most of that. So similarly, you know, I kind of, I kind of rushed the main three paths, which brings me to my next question. You know, we've talked about where we're at. We've talked about, you know, uh, why we chose the version. So initial impressions on the gameplay changes. You know, what do we feel about the design philosophy, the new Pokemon? Do we have any favorites? Do we have any things about the new setting or, you know, changes to the story direction the open world elements that we're really vibing with we can really go any direction here i don't you know i just kind of want to give you guys free form to talk about your thoughts overall we can kind of focus on you know a more streamlined gameplay discussion in a a little bit here but just initial impressions where are you at uh, you know after having you know gotten to where you're at in the game jeremy why don't we go ahead and start with you uh yeah so initially i have to say when i first got the game downloaded it i played it on midnight when it released and my first thoughts were oh no <laughs> this is really bad like the yeah. i think the between the the glitchiness the bugginess of mm-hmm. it the frame rate is really the biggest gripe that i have with yeah. the game um so initial impressions i was like i don't know if i like this said and then once you get through your your for, hold on first of all we are on like the 30th edition of a pokemon core game yes. not quite 30 we're almost there but why did they choose to give us running as an ability from the beginning in three previous games and then all of a sudden in this game take it away and your mom has to give you running shoes before you can run. <laughs> That's so stupid to me. So that took me, I griped about that to bed for like 20 minutes when that happened in the game. But originally, initially, I was a little bit worried. But I think after about two days, the frame rate seemed to be keeping up a little bit better. I mostly play it handheld and handheld seems to be a little bit different than docked. Docked has gotten a lot better that I've noticed in the last week. Mm -hmm. And... Overall, I've had a lot of fun with this game. I think it's been a different take on Pokemon. I love the open world concept and there's not like a cutscene to go into a building or like a new town. So mm-hmm. I love the open world idea of it. I think it's a nice direction for them to go. As far as things that I like like about it versus what I don't like about it, the open world concept is what I like. I enjoy that your Pokemon can walk around with you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. Character customization at the very beginning of the game was very much appreciated because that's literally all I care about yeah. in most games is character customization. So that was a nice feature. I think they did that really well. What I don't love is that since Legends Arceus or Arceus, however you want to say it, just came out not too long ago. Right. And I thought that 
he made some really good decisions in Legends that I was excited to see carry through into these games. Mm-hmm. And they decided not to do it. And it was yes. confusing to me because I thought that they had set up some really solid game mechanics in Arceus and yeah. not a lot of them carried over. And it was just a little disappointing in that regard. Overall, Absolutely. though, like the game, I've had fun. I will probably end up getting Violet because I just typically get both yeah. games. I don't know if I'm going to rush out and pay $60 for it, though. Yeah. I'll put it on a wish list and wait for it to go on sale. Yeah. I'd like to touch on two points before I pass it over to Justin, because there's, you know, most of what you said, I, you know, I'm just going to say I agree with. Right. And so I kind of just want to elaborate on two points, uh, you know, as far as my initial impressions, because, yeah, I played through the game. You know, I was in the final two chapters of God of War Ragnarok, which I was absolutely loving. I got Pokemon Violet, started playing that and um, was immediately frustrated by the experience right just like the gameplay experience because as you said the you know the technical gripes are not to be discounted it is a bad poorly performing poorly optimized game arceus runs better justin and i have talked about this arceus looks the same maybe even a little bit better and runs significantly better it doesn't make sense and it sucks yeah that said right i really love the moment to moment gameplay I'm having a really, really fun time with the setting. I like the sort of you know Spanish theme that they've got going on here. Big fan of the new designs. I think some of the strongest new Pokemon designs we've seen in gen- in a few generations, in my opinion. And then the other point that you made about the the open world nature. I'm loving the three paths. I do have to complain about the signposting the fact that there's no level scaling right i think is something that needs to be talked about a little bit i don't think you can have a conversation about scarlet by being an open world with three branching paths where there isn't really three branching paths that you can you know genuinely take at whatever order you want without level scaling you will get crushed if you go out of the intended order which if you look at maps of the level orders it's head west head east Go east again, then head back all the way west, way past where you were the first time. And it's, you know, it doesn't make sense. And there's nothing that signposts it well. So I was really disappointed in um, that, right? And then the last little bit before I pass it over to you, Justin, because you talked about this with me um, a little while ago, is why can we not just throw a Pokeball to catch it anymore? Why would they take that away? The best addition from Arceus, letting you just hurl a Pokeball, catch the type that you were catching, and move on. Made it great for training Pokemon, made it great for breeding, made it great for shiny hunting. What They added an auto battle system, which is amazing. One of the best additions to the series ever, and then took away a bunch of stuff that worked really well in Arceus. So that's kind of where I'm at. Love the game, hate so much about it. It's, you know, it's a very conflicting experience. Justin, where are you at? I agree with virtually everything that you guys just said. You know, looking back at even Sword and Shield, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the level of 
like like outfit customization that you had in uh, Sword and Shield, minus that huge backpack suitcase that you had to carry around all the time, yeah. was leagues better than what we have in Scarlet and Violet. I can't understand why. Why can I not change out of my school uniform? Awful. Why? Awful. <laughs> it is the worst, and it's it's oh god, I hate it. So that's that's a big gripe. It's just we, we, mm-hmm. we came so far. I thought we were like moving forward um, a little faster than we are. And yet we took these huge steps back from some of the previous generations. Um, I wonder if the Pokemon company is trying to do a little too much. And we got the Diamond mm-hmm. and Pearl remakes, Arceus and Scarlet and Violet, I think within a calendar year or, or pretty damn close yeah, to a calendar much. year. It might have been 13 months. Not to mention Pokemon Unite released as well. Yes. Y- yeah, yep. that's a that's a great point. And Pokemon Unite, like they're they're just trying to do a lot of things, and I, I wonder if if you know they're overextended. But we're gonna take this a little bit of a different direction from you guys, though. This is let me start by saying this is the Pokemon game I think I've always wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, huge open world. A lot of my favorite Pokemon are back. The new designs are really good. But I don't love it. Like this, mm-hmm. this should be a game I can lose myself in, and I don't love it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because of the open world that I don't love it. Like I might be reacting to some open world burnout from a lot of other games. Sure. I really don't like in open world games that the narrative takes a huge backseat. I mean, Pokemon games aren't known for their narratives, right? They're not known for their stories, but there's so many different threads in this one that seem like they it, it would have um, been better with a more straightforward narrative and maybe some of the other branching paths outside of the gym route would have been better left for post game. I don't know. Yes. I, I, that's me yes. like five gems in. I think that's a, I think that's a strong critique. I think that this game has the strongest narrative in a Pokemon game that we've had in the last 15% of the game hmm. up until then I don't think it's good I, I don't think it's good I, at all I, and then suddenly the yeah. end game is like so this is what we've what? been working towards yeah. and it works and it's great where was this for 80% of exactly. what I've been playing I, literally the same reaction last night when I was playing it I was like "What? this is like the last 15 minutes of gameplay like why mm-hmm why is this being revealed and done in this way Yeah, when this is literally the whole point of the entire franchise? Yes. I, I think, so you mentioned Jeremy really early on that one thing that, you know, game freak and the Pokemon company have been attempting in recent generations is to give the players more to do after the game. Right. And I think sword and shield, you know, I think there's been a, I don't know if this is a reaction to Arceus or the Scarlet Violet, you know, backlash because of the performance and everything. But I think there's been a critical reassessment of Sword and Shield in the Pokemon community of late. And people are realizing that that game was very good. Um, And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of that has to do with the two phenomenal expansions, right? Like, you know, those were great and well-deserved, you know, additions to the franchise. But as a result, we're seeing them taking this endgame focus to an extreme with Scarlet and Violet, where to me, the game starts when the game ends, and that is not mm-hmm. acceptable, right? That's not a way to build a game. What you just you know, I'm you not just gonna have to play 40, 60 hours before you get exactly 
to the, the good and part. I'm, right. I'm the biggest apologist of a slow starting game you'll ever find. But it sucks because like I truly think that the game got more interesting for me as I was coming to the end of the three routes, as everything sort of became when the when the routes reconverge at the end. Now, I don't want to spoil anything for you, Justin, right? But just to say that that's when the game gets interesting. And if You're I've already me put hope, 30 man. hours, if I've ever got 30 hours into a game and I'm only just now realizing this is what I wanted, that's a problem, right? Yeah. You know, it has its hooks in me now. You know, I booted up every night, catch a couple extra Pokemon, you know, go do a little, you know, end game thing. But I wish that they had managed to keep that energy from the beginning. And it just, it just didn't, right? It just felt unfocused. Yeah, I think one of the problems that Pokemon has is kind of what you mentioned earlier. Like they're trying to do too many things at once for starters, and they're going into these games where they have, if you think about it, there's been a new gimmick every single game that mm-hmm. has come out or from something as simple as introducing a new type or double battles, triple battles, whatever, and then on to Mega Evolution and now the gigantamax pokemon and the right. raids that you can do all of that stuff those are all really cool we like those we like doing those but it also like feels as if they're an afterthought sometimes and they don't mm-hmm. put a lot of thought into how it's going to work in or throughout the game i think sword and shield they actually did a really good job with it and i thought when i played it sword and shield was like amazing to me yes. like even the wild area was that was the open world for me. I was like, this is it. That's fine. I'm good with this being an open world now. And it, it actually did a good job of scaling in the beginning where when you were in the wild area, most of the wild area was like lower level or whatever. And then after post game, they switched it to where everything was minimum level 50 or something in the wild area. And similarly to Arceus or Arceus, Playing that game, I thought people were really critical about the frame rate and the graphics and whenever it came out, because I saw it as this sort of period piece. Like it's meant to look like that Japanese watercolor sort of style and be more expressive. And I really loved Legends a lot. And I probably would rather replay that than I would right now in my current state with Scarlet replay scarlet because of the Mm -hmm. bugginess of it like i i would replay it but there are too many things that they need to fix and patch for it to be replayable for me Mm -hmm. um but mostly i think pokemon has an identity crisis with do they want it to be just simple casual cozy gotta catch them all or do they want to do these deep storylines where it's like making your head spin and they haven't really figured out how to mesh those very well over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say one thing about Jeremy, you were mentioning just now that after the updates, like it's getting better, surely it, it's getting a little better, but whenever it was, it was first launched, it was damn near unplayable, even with a day one patch, right? In my, my current mind space, headspace about collecting video games. I think it's really important to have a physical cartridge and if you went out and bought a physical cartridge of Scarlet and Violet right now and didn't have a reliable internet connection or a steady internet connection, like a lot of people around the country, right? There's a lot of places yeah. that are still dealing with dial-up or you know DSL. You really don't get a great experience with this game. 
you can't play. I mean, I guess it's technically playable what's on the cart, but it's so broken. Um, it's an awful experience. I, I just think that's a that's a it's a crime. It's a literal crime. Somebody should go to jail. <laughs> yeah. I also don't know why they chose to switch up the way that the camera works in this game <laughs> compared to Legends, because I thought that they had so here's the things that I liked about Legends that I thought they were gonna carry over. You already mentioned catching Pokemon in the overworld. That was so much easier. You could pick the ball. You got to craft the items. That was fun. And shiny hunting was a lot easier because yes. it literally made a sound. Amazing. And you could physically see them. In in Scarlet and Violet, you kind of have to just know what the shiny looks like. Yes. Because there is no audible alert to let you know that one's popped. Literally today, right before, this, right before we're recording this, I was playing and I caught a shiny manky. And the only reason I even saw it was because I was gliding over with my ride Pokemon and I saw like five of them Mm -hmm. and one of them looked a little bit darker, but it was in the shade. So I was like, well, I'll drop down and see what it looks like. And I battled it and then I saw it was shiny. I will say that I'm thankful that they made it to where if you're auto battling and your Pokemon encounters a shiny Pokemon, it will not fight it. So it will give you this like, you know how if they're if you do the auto battle, your Pokemon will run out and it'll yeah. just it's on site and they're ready to take them out. But if you do that and the Pokemon is shiny and you don't recognize it as shiny, your Pokemon will do like the sweating thing and turn around. Yeah. So that's your first clue to like, oh, maybe I should see if this is a shiny. I didn't realize that. But, I've already missed yeah. a shiny. I have no idea where it was or when it was. I mean, some of them are so <laughs> subtle, right? Like you really have to know, oh, yeah. this shiny it's is very a... disappointing. As yeah. someone who doesn't mm-hmm. know enough about, you know, the shiny colorations, especially because they've been pretty lazy with some of the shiny colorations in a few of these that I don't think I would notice it. It's It's been a, a huge downgrade from from Legends, a game that I also absolutely adore. It's my favorite pokemon game i think i think i love legends more than just about any other game i've played as someone who's played most of the series right and so yeah that's i mean all of those changes that you've mentioned really frustrating to see really frustrating to see i do at least they did carry over remembering and deleting moves and your pokemon isn't limited to only knowing four i think that is the best decision that they ever put into a game based off if you're going to play the game with your same team of six but you're going to different gyms you can switch up their move set right before going in if you need to and that was one of the better mechanics that they added into the franchise yeah i think you know i don't know the process we've talked about this too are they pulling themselves too thin do they have different design teams on each of these games i don't really know the internal workings of game freak and pokemon company i don't know where they're putting their development resources but it feels like these were two teams that were passing some ideas across to each other but largely working in independent spaces and not with much overlap and if they had just combined into a single team created these games one year apart we'd have had two very solid very good Pokemon games. Instead, we got two pretty decent Pokemon games with good new changes to the franchise that each have their own, you know, lacks uh, that could have been shored up with just a little more input, a slightly larger team, a little more time in the out. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, kind of where, yeah. Honestly, I would have been happy with more time um, with Diamond and Pearl, those remakes. 
because mm-hmm. it seemed like like those came out in like November or December, and then Legends was January or February. It was just so mm-hmm. quick. Like we should have gotten Arceus mm-hmm. right now, and then Scarlet and Violet fixed holiday next year. Yeah, yeah. I would have much rather them say, "Oh, we're going to delay the release of this because we have things to work on," versus releasing the game knowing it's bad. And then just banking on your entire franchise, knowing that they're going to play it anyway, because they're such loyal fans. We're such loyal fans. But that's why Pokemon keeps releasing them as broken games, because they know that people are going to buy it. Like they had already outsold their pre-order goals way in advance before this game even came out. And Mm -hmm. the same thing happened whenever they uh, announced Diamond and Pearl, like the remakes were nice and I love the little chibi design that they did. It kind of felt like a link to the past. Yeah. Or no, not a link to the past uh, links awakening sort of oh, style. Yeah. But even then those two games wildly different in terms of the quality that we saw in the colors, the textures, all of that still good. But what I want Pokemon to do is find all of these people that are huge fans of the game that make their own fan trailers that are like, this is what the game should be and hire them because they made there's one for Diamond and Pearl that is like Legends Arceus, like what we thought it was going to be. Or like, a, I don't know, Legends Johto or something, and they are so good and I just don't know why they can't. The internet exists. Like, track them down <laughs> and find them and hire them. Yeah. Yeah, there's... I mean, it's it's a weird... We're in a weird place with the Pokemon franchise overall. I think there needs to be a cool-down year before we hear anything else. I think we need to step away for a year. Give us a, a two- or three-year development cycle on the next game. Let's just take some time. Because I, I hate that I've been saying this since Sword and Shield, which is, this is a great proof of concept for a strong Pokemon game. Arceus, this is a great proof of concept. Scarlet Vite, you know, it's like, why do I have to keep saying this if you're they're right there each time? And then they decide either, you know, a radical reinvention or to make baffling decisions on what to change. Right. And there's always yeah. some good stuff. Right. Like, I don't want to end this on fully being down on it. I think that, you know, for example, the online component is getting there. I really enjoy yeah traveling around the online world now with other people the fact that you guys can travel together if you have different generations and you're traveling in the same area you can see exclusive pokemon right so like if i were in an online lobby with you guys we could be traveling in the same area as long as we're within proximity you could spawn my you know version uniques i could spawn your version uniques and catch them Right. You can see each other battling on the field, which is cool. You can go off and do your own thing. One player can go do a gym battle while the other one's working on, you know, the elite four. All of that is available and it's pretty seamless, though frustrating as it always is. Nintendo puts extra steps that shouldn't be there. Right. They make it so if one player leaves, the whole instance drops and there's little things. It's like, why are these still issues we're dealing with in a company that has all of this money and all of these resources? But that said, a huge jump from sword and shield online, right? We're seeing some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I still want the ability to, when I'm battling at a gym, why can't right? My companion watch from the sidelines, you know, watch me do the gym battle. Let's, you know, let them be involved in those, those processes. If there's a dual battle in the story, why can't my companion, you know, be there instead of Arvin or whatever, right? Like give me these, That's these cool options, too. you know, and then, 
I do think we need to talk about Terra Battles, right? As a concept, do we have to? As a concept, <laughs> I think Terastalizing is one of the coolest additions they've made to Pokemon because anything that allows you to change type creates some really cool competitive matchup, you know, possibilities. And I think that's really cool. Being able to take a water Pokemon and then mid battle terrestrialize it into an electric type, right? Uh, and totally bamboozle your opponent. Great. Love it. Right. The raids themselves. Again, the online, I think generally is good. The raids are one of the worst experiences in gaming I have ever experienced. And some exclusive Pokemon are in those raids. We've got Charizard coming in a week. And you mm. expect me to believe that that's going to work well when, I don't know, how much have you guys done the raids? Have you, have you dipped much of a toe in them? I have done some of the online raids, but the, so earlier in the week, I would have said that they were a lot better and that the raids were better than Sword and Shield because in Sword and Shield, you would go to select a raid to join and then it would say yep. communication lost or yes. whatever. Yep. It wasn't as bad in the earlier week that this game came out, but now that more people have the game and yes. more people are playing, I think it's still a struggle to get connected to a raid. And with it only being four people, it makes it a little bit of a challenge to get into. Like, I, I feel like they could bump it up to easily eight people in a mm -hmm. raid. Like, mm -hmm. typically, most online PvP games are 4v4 or 5v5. So, I know that we're not all actively battling each other in that moment, but it, it's essentially the same thing. I haven't had as many connection drops, I will say, or unable to join the, the terror raids. I do enjoy what you said about sort of keeping your opponent on their toes and competitive battling, like making sure that you're paying attention to what they terrestrialize into. I just, my gripe with it is I want them to figure out their gimmick and what is going to sell the game yes. <laughs> long-term and just pick one. Like if it's megas, keep it at megas. If it's gigantamax, keep it at that. If it's terrestrialized, keep it at that. But all I see is like Savarsky crystals and it <laughs> looks so weird for some of them. They look cool, but I, I don't know. They look funny. It's almost like at this point I'm going to, I'm going to do it regardless, but I haven't been banking on it. Like I terrestrialize it usually once per battle per gym or something. Mm -hmm. But I, I did like that. If you're like, say you're a dragon type and you can terrestrialize from being a, a dragon type to a poison type. You're yeah. immediately going to have a better coverage against your fairy type opponent or something. And that's neat. But again, I just want them to pick something, stick with it and just focus on that. But I don't think they will, but yeah. Unless from a design missed... perspective, it's, but ahead, yeah, I, I agree. I, unless I've missed something, I'm really disappointed in, the the type changes for some of the Pokemon, like especially the Pokemon that I've used, like the types don't even change whenever I, I terrestrialize or whatever it's called. Right, like, right. Like I have an electric and it stays an electric. Okay, well, what was the purpose in doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, a, it does you know, give them a boost. So, yeah, yeah, they get a little bit of a boost. You're right. But it also defaults to their normal type, from what I understand. But what you can do is you can catch rare 
terrestrialized Pokemon that have a different type. Raids will also give you different type terrestrializations. And if you get enough fragments, you can change your Pokemon's type to a different type. So you can customize your party in this way, but it's a it's it's another end game system that isn't well oh. articulated to players. It's well, it's a competitive it's, and end game system that is poorly articulated, I think. And it's a lot of grinding too, yes. because to change your Pokemon's type, you need fifty of one Terra type shards, I believe. Thirty or fifty, yeah, which and they're is, rare. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it's you know, it's to encourage you to do the raids, right? Which as I was saying, I don't know if you guys have spent much. I spent the last weekend doing raids all of Saturday. So I spent about six hours just raiding on Saturday just to kind of get a, a feel for it. In that six hours, I would say 40% of the time, I would have a minimum of a 20 to 30 second window where I could do nothing, where someone hit the Pokemon so hard that it goes through its preset rotation of debuffing, buffing, putting up a shield, and then uh, having that shield slowly petered away, um, skipping my turn two or three times before I finally got to do something again. Or what would happen was you would go into a battle, someone would bring in a type that was weak to it. Um, because of the lag and the disconnect, they would get you know knocked out two, three times before you had your turn to go. Um, and then you've lost the raid and you're kicked back out. And then the other 20, 30%, we would kill the raid successfully, um, get the new Pokemon. I do like that they are 100% catch rate on raids. You kill them, 100% catch rate, even with a basic Pokeball. I don't have to worry about, you know, missing out on, you know, the terrestrialized Pokemon that I got. And I like that, you know, like I said, it allows for some really fun, quick team building because you can get, you know, at I think five-star raids, you start to get level 75 Pokemon that have unique Terra types, which make for really nice type advantages and, you know, min maxing your teams for competitive play or late game, you know, gyms and stuff. And that's really cool, but it plays horribly. It's the, like, I, again, I would recommend you guys dive into those raids a little bit and feel the, just the, the frame rate drops, the lag, the disconnect. Oh, yeah. It is atrocious. If you think the base game plays poorly, those raids are just on another level of bad. Um, and it sucks because yeah. I think conceptually they're quite cool. Um, implementation again, as we've been saying, I think this whole episode lacking right across the board, just, uh, not great. Not great. Well, it's like you said earlier, like they get there almost every time where it's, they almost have it down to where with Sword and Shield, I was like, okay, future franchises, Pokemon, this is what we want. This is going to be good. It'll only get better. And then they're like, okay, here's Legends Arceus. And it's completely different. <laughs> and it's not in any way the same as Sword and Shield. And they were like, okay, well, maybe this will be the future of the game. And then they throw out Scarlet and Violet. And it's an entirely different way to play the game. I don't know if they know this, but Elder Scrolls has released Skyrim over the past however many years, a dozen different times, and they've changed nothing. And yep. people continue to buy this game. I myself have bought that game four times. Yeah. And thankfully, now that Elder Scrolls Online exists, and I just decided to play that, I don't ever have to buy Skyrim again. But <laughs> they have they had the open world right, and yep. they knew what they were trying to accomplish. Pokemon, they're trying. It, it goes back to they're trying to do too many things, yeah. and they need to stay with the core gameplay 
model of the gyms and catching them in the generation, catching all the new Pokemon. The only thing that I wish that they would do better, they, they, they do a really good job of each generation making it easier for newer players to play the game and yes. catch up really quickly uh, with the raids, getting the experience candies, or they tell you what the type matchups are. And there's almost a, over a thousand Pokemon now. Like my brain is dedicated to knowing all of them, but sometimes I'm going to forget something. So I enjoy that aspect. The only thing that I want them to add in is I don't want to be a 10 year old. Every time I start these games, let me have a beard or let me, you know, be like a new research assistant that's coming in to help the professor fill up like easily. They could do that, like make it a 10 year old or an adult. And I think that that would open up a lot more people to come back to the games if they've left or attract newer people. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are all fair points. Um, Justin, we're going to kind of wrap up here, I think. We've pretty much got our grievances out. We've talked about what we like, what we dislike. Uh, Final thoughts on the game before we wrap up uh, with our our last little bit here. Yeah, I'm wondering if we can all give it a rating, like 1 to 10, 10 being just outstanding, 1, you know, not. I'll go first and let you guys think about it. But um, final thoughts. I think it's a very ambitious game. Matthew, something you said earlier really struck a chord with me. Like we can't keep saying that these games are proof of concepts for Game Freak. Like that's not an excuse for this game. It's it's I, I think they set their sights really high and they just didn't deliver. I think mm-hmm. in a six months or a year, this is gonna be a really solid game. It might be the greatest Pokemon game ever. But it's it's got a, a ways to go. And for me, right now, as it sits, I'm giving it a 6.5. Yeah. It's a 4 out of 10 that I love like a 9 out of 10. That's that's where <laughs> I'm at. That's a good way to put it. That's that's my uh, opinion on, on Scarlet Violet. Yeah, I would have to agree. I was, I was going to say a 6 for overall gameplay for me as well because it... It hits, it checks a lot of boxes, but it has a lot of work to do. And six is being generous because I'm a longtime fan. Like my original thought was like a five, but I think that if they can nail down some of those glitches and the bugs and work on the frame rate and potentially with, I've already noticed some areas that are sort of like on the map where there could be expansions. Yeah. If they do some really solid expansions, I could see it being a longer play Yes. style kind of game but if if they don't work on that then i don't know i might just replay legends okay so that brings me to my final question before we get to our game recommendations of the week i'm going to kind of um uh, phrase this as with our complaints about the way that game freak has spread itself thin and gone in seemingly three different directions this console generation which generation or which direction do we want the next Pokemon game, right? Because if there's been three games that are almost there, but not quite it, which of the three do we want to see get there? Do we want to see a Sword and Shield follow-up that nails what Sword and Shield tried to do? A Legends Arceus 2 that really just solidifies Arceus as the proof of concept? Or do we want the sequel of Scarlet and Violet that gives us what they promised in an open world <laughs> game where do you fall of those three lines because i do think that they're three completely different directions and game freak needs to pick one and stick to it at this point if i'm choosing it's arceus i think it's the 
best of the three. Um, and I think if they make it more open world like Scarlet and Violet, but keep most of what I loved about that game, that's a perfect Pokemon to me. So that's where I'm landing on that. Pass it over yeah, to you. Yeah, I would Jared. be right there with you. I I think that I would say in terms of the three Legends, Sword and Shield, and Scarlet Violet, that would be my order of where I would like to see them go. And in an ideal world, mash them all together and take the best parts of each and make a new game. But then that gets us back to a fourth edition of yes. this is a great starter concept. For So I don't want to keep doing that. So I would say Arceus as well. Yeah. Justin, where are you at? Yeah. Well, I've, I've got a little bit of a twist on my answer, but the easy answer is Arceus. Um, Arceus, but truly open world, not open zone. Like if it's open world, like this game is, I think that game is a a 10 out of 10. But the other thing I want to see them do is go back to the early games and give me more Diamond and Pearl type remakes. Like I really want to go back to Johto. I think Johto. Oh my God, yeah. Like wouldn't that be awesome? I don't want to do it in a Let's Go. I mean, Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee were fine, but I don't want to do it in a Legends. Let's get a Johto Legends. Let's get in there. You know, that's what I think that's kind of to me. That's the other thing is they can they can pull on the nostalgia that people have for the franchise with Legends as the template. And I think, again, it was the closest to a successful proof of concept of the three that we've seen so far this generation. Plus, gameplay wise, I just like a lot more of what I saw in that than what I've been seeing in uh, Scarlet and Violet. You know, again, a game that I love like a 9 out of 10. I played it straight through. I didn't really stop playing anything else. It's just there's a lot I hated about it. And that sucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that pretty much covers our conversation for Scarlet and Violet. You know, before we go every week, we like to do a game recommendations of the week. In recent weeks, we've decided, you know, every console, every, you know, uh, developer is fair game. So, Jeremy, since you're the guest... What are you playing lately or excited to play soon that you would want to recommend to our listeners? When I'm not playing Pokemon, I'm typically playing Elder Scrolls Online and I have the expansion pass, the monthly like premium version of that. I know it's not for everybody, but the game that I'm most looking forward to playing when it comes out is Hogwarts Legacy. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really cool. It looks like they have pushed it enough to where they are nailing down the actual storyline and gameplay so that's on my watch list is hogwarts legacy yeah i will say as someone who was an early adopter of elder scrolls online i don't play anymore i I play final fantasy 14 now that's my mmo poison uh, at the moment but Elder Scrolls Online, a great game. I can definitely vouch for that as well as someone who's played the franchise and you know it jumps back in every now and then to just kind of check it out. Um, a game that does level scaling better than just about anyone as well, I will say. right, The way that they allow you to kind of just go through the story in the way that you want. That is, as far as I can tell, the premier open world experience nowadays, the mm-hmm. way that they've adjusted that game. So, uh, Justin, how about and you? you Where are we make- at? eight characters yes you can make eight characters from the start so which is nice i'm sold yeah it's a great game if you've never checked it out uh, and you're into mmos i would recommend it if you like elder scrolls lore i think it does a really nice job there as well so uh, justin where are you at i'm all caught up in world cup fever right now so (laughs) whenever uh, fifa 23 went on sale for 30 bucks i grabbed it it's got a brand new engine or an updated engine this year. 
it plays really, really well. It's much more responsive. I haven't played since like maybe FIFA 19 on the Switch. I got the yeah. 23 for my uh, PlayStation 5. But it's it's much more responsive. Um, the shots feel better. I just I really like everything about this game. They've, they've taken out some of the like fluffy story stuff that some of the previous games have had. But again, I'm caught up in in World Cup fever right now, so I can't I can't really play anything else but soccer or Pokemon. Nice, nice. Well, not personally a fan of of sports games myself, but I do know that there is a rabid fan base for FIFA out there. And uh, hey, you know, if you're into those, you know, yearly iterations, I hear it's not a bad uh, entry in the franchise. So I'm going to go with something that is a a risky recommendation because I don't know how well this will be received. I don't know what to expect for sure, but anyone who knows me or who's listened to the pod knows that there's a little game coming out on Thursday called romancing saga minstrel song remastered a, you know, an old school hard as nails JRPG from square Enix and their saga uh, group that I am absolutely over the moon excited about. I will be jumping into that on Thursday, doing a little bit of streaming of that over on my Twitch channel. So if you want to check that out, you know, feel free to jump over there um, and, and give a look. Put a link in the show notes for that. Um, but we're going to be talking, you know, I believe, Justin, if I recall correctly, we've got our game of the year show coming up in a week or two, as well as our 2023 gaming resolutions episode. So if you are a listener to the pod, if you've interacted with us on Twitter or, um, you know, the Nintendo Watcher website, uh, please hit us up with your games of the year. Hit us up with your resolutions for next year. We want to kind of get the community involved in this, you know, our little group of listeners and friends uh, out there, you know, tell us what you've been playing in 2022, what you're looking forward to in 2023 games that are on the release schedule or just, you know, resolutions you have for your gaming, you know, lifestyle um, and hit us up with those, you know, either on Twitter or drop us a line uh, over on Nintendo Watcher. We'd, we'd love to hear from you guys because I think that's where we're headed in the next couple of weeks. Do I have that right, Justin? Yep, that's it. Excellent, I'm really excellent. excited about that. I, I've Honestly, I thought 22 was going to be pretty easy to pick a game of the year. I'm struggling a little bit. It's a nightmare. Um, it's a nightmare year. Um, I'm not, you know, not to tip my hand, but um, I'm very excited for that conversation. Uh, Jeremy, uh, you know, as the guest, where can people find you? You know, what should they be looking out for um, as we head on out of this episode? Yeah, I mean, my most active social media right now is probably TikTok and Instagram. So you can find me pretty much anywhere at underscore Jeremy Rivers. And if it's not that, it's something along the lines of Jeremy Rivers 91. TikTok is Jeremy Rivers 91 and Instagram and Twitter are both underscore Jeremy Rivers. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. We had a blast talking Pokemon Scarlet Violet and the rest of the series. Uh, a disappointing game, but one that I think is near and dear to each of us for different reasons. Justin, anything else to take us out for the episode or is that about wrap it up? That about wraps it up. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you're on YouTube. And uh, thanks for subscribing. If you're not subscribed already, please hit that button for us. Uh, and with that, Jeremy, that thanks for coming on. Matthew, always good to see you, man. Pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Later, everyone.
a good song. <laughs>